Good morning and good coffee, everybody. Hey, it's time for some morning coffee with Larry, and I am glad that you are with me today on a very much cloud-covered morning. (laughs) The sun is trying to rise and give us some light, but it looks like we are completely covered in clouds. Let me go to a different window just to make sure. It just looks... Well, everything has that joyful color of Illinois gray. (laughs) Yeah, I don't see anything but clouds. So we're supposed to get rain today anyway. But hey, it's Tuesday, the 23rd of March, 2021. I'm still wanting to say 2020. That just seems like a uh, an easier one to have it roll off your tongue. <laughs> oh, well, I've got my coffee and just kind of sitting here easing into the morning. And uh, uh, thoughts going through my head tend to center today on memories And there's been several different things that has kind of triggered it. And probably the one that's been a lot of fun regarding memories is some Facebook feed from my uh, class reunion group. And uh, people, and it all started really with one person, an old classmate that I went through grade school with, Brad, and he posed a question And uh, he was like, do you remember any of the fun things from Southside School? And that was the school that I started off at, uh, not counting kindergarten, but of grade school. And I was there for first, second, and third grade. Then I was transferred to a different school because uh, there were too many kids that were in the, I guess you'd say, the area of town where the kids went to Southside. So I wound up being transferred to Westside School. But those first three years, that was a, a lot of fun. And the different classmates who went there really started chiming in with various memories. And some of those I remembered, and some of them I had forgotten, but it stirred the memories. Um, there was uh, a variety of different things, and it really, it just got my memory juices flowing. Uh, Thinking back to first grade, I was in Mrs. Stuckey's class. In second grade, Mrs. Holscher's. And third grade was Mrs. Woods. And, you know, I I tossed out there, does anybody know whatever happened to Mrs. Woods? Because I don't know how many years she stayed at Effingham. And she was a very fun teacher. And one person commented about the Halloween parades. And it's like, I remember dressing up for Halloween, but I had forgotten that we would parade, you know, like around the block in our uh, costumes. And for third grade, my mom made a Batman costume for me. She was a seamstress. And she made, oh, a lot of my early costumes. And they were... They were great, and I was so proud of the Batman one. The thing I remember most was I had gone home for lunch, and then uh, we were supposed to uh, change into our outfits at, 
apparently at school after lunch, they were going to send us to the bathrooms to change. And I came in from lunch wearing my costume. And I was the only one in the classroom dressed as Batman. And oh, I was so embarrassed. (laughs) Because I think it was like, guess who is who? And it was pretty obvious who this Batman was. But it was just a lot of fun. There was a, a classmate that I think he was only there in first grade, and his name was Gary, and, and we were we were good friends that year. And I remember going to his house to visit him, and then one of the other classmates, Jim, said, do you remember that he had a broken leg, or he remembered the incident that occurred where his leg got broke, and it's like, he broke his leg, and then all of a sudden, an image popped into my head regarding when I went over to visit him. He was laying in bed on like a sun porch, if I'm remembering right, or at least a room with a lot of windows. And he was he was there with his leg, you know, in a cast, or at least that's how my memory's going. And it's like, okay, is that a real memory, or is that that got, you know, unlocked, or is that just... Uh, based on what Jim said, I'm I'm putting that into an established memory. I don't know. I'd love to get a hold of him. I've tried finding him on the internet with absolutely no luck. And you just don't know, uh, after so many years, what happens to people. I mean, we were six years old in first grade. And I turned 56 this summer. So, you know, 50 years, a lot of stuff can happen. But, you know, the way that we remember things, what's neat is if you sit down and have a conversation with somebody like we're doing over Facebook with these back and forth posts, that can stir memories. But sometimes you don't always have another person there to stir an old memory. And that's where, for a lot of people, having certain objects can stir memories. Maybe it's photos. I mean, I definitely take a lot more photos with a digital camera than I ever did with film. And I loved doing film photography. Uh, When I was a kid, I remember getting my first camera as a 126 film. And that was kind of like the big standard uh, if you wanted good quality. Then they had those, what were they, 110. And those were smaller negatives. They were a little bit cheaper. The cameras were typically flat uh, because it was it was not as wide of a film or tall of a film. You know what I mean. And you could, you could pack those cameras real easily, take them with you. If you were a woman, you could easily have one in your purse. Uh, you could keep it in your jacket. But, you know, it cost a lot. So you were careful with your photo taking. Today, sitting on my phone right now, I probably have, (sighs) I'd be afraid to look, 2,500 photos ready to be downloaded. It's probably a year's, over a year's worth of photos. And I like flipping through that because it stirs memories. And I also, they're not all photos. Some of them are memes that I have downloaded from Facebook. And those stir memories also. Then, of course, you can also have the tried and true, just objects. And they can very much stir memories. Whenever I worked in hospice, 
there were some homes that I would go into where they had souvenir plates. And not everybody had them, but there's one home that's always stands out in my memory. And they traveled a lot. They took their kids on car vacations. They traveled. And by the time I saw this couple in hospice, I think they got married in the 30s. Their kids were all grown. Their grandkids were grown. But they had on one wall of their home scores of commemorative plates or those souvenir plates. Now, you don't really see them that much anymore because that was kind of a thing from the past. But when you went somewhere, you would get a little plate and you could either put it on a shelf or most often you would display it on a wall. And that was a way that they used to remember the different places where they went. And that's what, like, what a souvenir shop is, is you know a way of taking something that often has the name of the place on it so you know what it was and it stirs the memories. And who knows, maybe you'll go back and enjoy that again. What makes something like that valuable? Well, not the worth of it. I mean, you go down into the Ozarks and you'll find, you know, little corncob pipes made in China uh, that will have, you know, like hillbilly on it or, you know, Arkansas or, you know, wherever you were at, you know, uh, Merrimack Caverns. And that'll be stamped on it. And the value of it is nothing. It's a dollar or two or three. But it stirs those memories that, that, of that trip, of that vacation. And, you know, there, there's such a temptation for kids to, oh, I need to get a souvenir from this or that or the other. And it's a good thing, but then it can kind of turn into the bad thing also because what do you do with all those souvenirs whenever it becomes too many? And for some folks, it's really hard to let go of those. And I'm going to raise my hand. It's hard for me to let go of those things because I'm the kind of person that in order to remember stuff, I need to have that object. Maybe it's a photo or it's some sort of a souvenir, some sort of a tangible, tangible, yeah, some sort of object. (laughs) Can't say the word tangible, Uh, but some sort of object that will stir those memories. Now, I've had uh, interesting conversations recently in therapy sessions where uh, the issue of a hoarder comes up, a person who has quite the stash of stuff. And it's it's come to the point where it's really impairing their life or the life of their family members. And why do people hoard? Well, there's a lot of different reasons, but it ties to typically some sort of an emotional connection to whatever it is that they're hoarding. You know, for some people, it may start with, um, you know, a person's death, or it may start with, uh, you know, where somebody moved away. Or 
you know, something along that line where there's been a transition and anything associated with the before can become a thing that you cling on to, you hold on to. (coughs) Now, if people don't have strong emotional connections to things, that's usually never a problem. You know, it's easy for them to get rid of stuff. But for those who use those for connections to memories, if the emotional thing is stronger than they know how to cope with, for example, in the death, an untimely death of someone or uh, an important person in their life, then it's like it can the, the memories transfer from the relationship with the person to the different objects. And sometimes people who have you know a spouse or a family member that has taken this too far and it's it's gone you know to the point of the extreme clutter like you would see in a TV show on hoarders their their answer is I just need to throw all this stuff away and while that may be uh, an impulsive thought uh, and and it's built up with frustration over time, it's probably not the wisest decision for the other person. Because to them, at least emotionally, that may be like you saying, you've got too many photo albums. We're going to burn all the old photos from you because you need to live in the present. So we're going to get rid of all your childhood photos. You know, just saying that probably makes a few of you cringe, just the idea that somebody might do that. Because most people have a strong emotional attachment there. So whenever somebody is having problems where they're holding on to too much stuff, it's important to take it you know, at a different pace. Take it at the other person's pace and maybe start with helping them to understand uh, you know, what, what is the reason that they're holding on to certain things. Is there really a need for using that object to remember something? Or is it the fear of losing memories and it's just kind of crossed that line? This is where a therapist can often be helpful with them to help them understand and and have some, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Some balance to what they have. Uh, But... On the good side of things, you know, a lot of people get creative and will have different things that will stir a memory and they just hold on to the the key things and uh, and it doesn't get out of hand. But memories, they're good things. There's a lot of fun with memories and different people have different ways of remembering it. Um. You know, that's, I guess, kind of thinking about the, the sad part of it for me is, is whenever a person starts having dementia and it's harder for the person to stir those memories. And depending upon the type of dementia, sometimes it's actually where neurons are dying that stored information about that, uh, that memory. And other times... The dementia may be related to a breakdown in the communication network between the neurons, uh, the storage neurons. Uh, 
But the interesting thing also regarding memory is even if you have one area that, you know, a, a type of dementia is destroying the neurons and those memories are gone forever, memories are not stored in just one place in your brain. You have the memory of an event stored in many places through the brain, depending upon what area is specialized in storing certain things. You know, you have visual stored in one area, auditory stored in another, kinesthetic, meaning the movement of your body into another, Uh, emotions are stored in yet another. And so one area may be impacted, but the others may still be there. And, you know, just like with my mom, memory is fading and certain types of memory is, some memory isn't. But using different things such as objects or such as pictures to help stir the different memories and keep them as fresh as we can for as long as we can, uh, that's a, to me, that's an important thing. You know, I guess for me, one of the fears I have is that all the wonderful things that's happened in life that I want to remember, that at some point I may start losing those. Um, that'll be sad. That'll be sad. And I'm hoping that uh, when I pass out of this life, that those memories are still there just in another form. And with that, I will cut you loose for today. And what's funny is, uh, <laughs> as I, as the room I'm sitting in is decorated with a lot of things that are not necessarily um, heirlooms. There's a lot of family heirlooms that we have. But this is decorated with, oh, some things from Hobby Lobby and, and just different things to make the room look cute. Except there's one thing that's out of place. <laughs> Sitting near the on the, the, the fireplace, <clears throat> just to the side of it, is a 1970s lava lamp that I had when I was in high school. And I bought it on a garage sale. It's not turned on. It's not running. You can tell it's uh, vintage. Uh, because that globular stuff in there doesn't react the way the newer stuff does. But I'm just sitting here going, you know, everything looks, you know, nice and in place because it's all kind of new stuff. And there's that memory. And there's that thing. And now all of a sudden I've got memories from from my childhood popping into my head again. (laughs) Thanks to a lava lamp. All right, everybody. That's it for today. You guys have a great one. Make the most of it. We'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.